having learned in the most tragic way that with great power must also come great responsibility. Episode 68 for May 2009. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They're an online leader in subscriptions for new comics and trade paperbacks. They'll mail your books right to your doorstep and eliminate you searching for your favorite titles. Their discounts start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price. An example this month is Amazing Spider-Man number 600. The cover price is $4.99. Mail order has it for $3.09, which is 38% off the cover price. So be sure to order two copies if you want the Alex Ross cover and the John Romita Jr. cover. Again, that's MailOrderComics.com, and tell them the Crawl Space sent you. Welcome back, webheads, to our May show. We're recording this show on Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Uh, let me introduce our small panel this month. We have the rampaging JR from SpideyKicksButt.com. Welcome, JR. Thank you, thank you, and happy Mother's Day, Mom. That's mothers, no additional uh, syllables <laughs> after it. <laughs> and we have the sensational Stella, a.k.a. Spider Girl. She's an administrator on the Crawl Space Message Board. Welcome, Stella. Hey, and I guess, you know, I told you guys that my pheromones are strong, but they must be even stronger than I thought because two of the guys, they're gone. They must be coming to Virginia or something. <laughs> you have you have what the Orion slave girls from Star Trek have. Oh, dear. <laughs> JR knows what I'm talking about. You <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, somebody's in Pond Far. Anyway. <laughs> okay, this is not the Star Trek crawl space. Uh, <laughs> Also, I want to give an update well, on... Our recommendations, so... Yeah, yeah no doubt. But uh, our Spidey Dude and Kevin aren't with us today. Uh, Spidey Dude had to work, so if you're in Texas, go buy a cell phone from him. And Kevin uh, just canceled a few hours ago. He's got a date, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Kevin has a date. But unfortunately, he canceled a couple hours before we were supposed to record this show. So... Boo! <laughs> well, you know, Brad, when you're yeah. paying by the hour, you've <laughs> got to make sure you keep the date. Yeah, so no, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, my, my checks in the mail, guys. <laughs> but if you see him out on his date, and I know the odds aren't very well, but if you see Kevin out today, uh, <laughs> ask him why aren't you on the Spider-Man podcast? So feel free to do that. Anyway, yeah, that probably wouldn't go over well on a first date. You, you record a monthly what? <laughs> Anyway, Kevin, I hope you have a good time and, and uh, uh, get lucky. Anyway, uh, the reviews, uh, we're going to start with reviews today. And we're going to do Amazing 591 and 592. We've only got two issues this month, JR. That's unusual. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the brain trust must be uh, running behind or something, huh? <laughs> running out of gas. Who knows? Who knows? Well, 591 pretty much wraps up Spidey Marvel team up. Uh, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four in the negative zone, and uh, the cover says, Friend or Forgotten. <clears throat> this is a story about Kevin? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> JR, what do you think of 591? We'll tackle that first. 
God, what a fracking bore. Oh, my God. I, I tell you, this was just, I don't even know what the, what they were doing in the, this macroverse. Yeah. I had, I, I, I read the comic, you know, and I saw, you know, the characters, and I have no idea why they were even there. I even went back and bought issue number 590. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the central conflict is about. And really, I don't care. It seems like really it's just a, um, it's just in the background between the argument between Spider-Man and the Human Torch over the fact that the Fantastic Four once knew his identity and uh, and now they don't. But uh, but now the issue was a bore. Uh, the only interesting part was the one page with J. Jonah Jameson uh, <laughs> banging on Marla's door, his ex-wife's yeah. door, trying to get her to let him in. He starts out all blustery like JJJ, and then eventually he starts whimpering. And I thought that was pretty good. I mean, that uh, good old Jonah, he's uh, he's consistent at least. He can run yeah. the gamut from from ego to humility and in, uh, in no time flat. But uh, and and this is and and the thing is, the, I guess the the main thing is that Spider-Man, you know, once again unmasked for the Fantastic Four, and it has no impact. I mean, it should have some kind of impact, but it has no impact. One because We've been through this before. And two, it's like, wait a minute. Wasn't, wasn't one of the reasons for one more day was to put all these genies back in the bottle, you know, and have Spider-Man to be out there alone and miserable, and <laughs> but he likes him, you know, and he's got no place to hang. You know, and all of a sudden now he's, you know, he reveals his identity to the new Avengers, right. and now he reveals his identity to his old friends, the Fantastic Four. I mean, I agree if anybody knows his identity, it should among the superhero community, it should be the four. He's the closest to them as anybody else. But what's the point? I mean, I, I, what was the point of one more day then, other than to get rid of Mary Jane, obviously? So uh, this issue was just a complete failure, complete yeah. failure on all counts. I mean, I you know, give it a D. You know, <laughs> yeah, going for the D right off the bat. Yeah, the the thing is, I I was looking at I'm looking at it right now, and and I think they were trying the analogy of. The two groups fighting in the negative zone, and the guy behind the mask, he didn't know it is his brother. And I guess that's what they were trying to go for, to elude that Spider-Man should unmask for the Human Torch, because he's kind of like his brother. Do you think they just failed on all points on that? <laughs> oh, I missed the symbolism completely, so yeah, I guess they did. either that or I'm just friggin' stupid this month, which is not it, out of the realm. It says, I am half Dregan, my younger brother. Then by our laws, you are our rightful king. <laughs> I'm looking at the panel, and Spidey off panel goes, "What a shocking twist! Can we go on now?" <laughs> no kidding. And there we go. Sue Storm goes, "Shh." <laughs> anyway, D out of Jr. Stella, what do you think? Um, you know that is like a nice way to point out the symbolism there, but I think it was a really convoluted way to even get there. Like this whole problem of who should be the ruler of the country and then outsiders actually um, getting involved in that. I feel like that has some sort of political symbolism uh, that's current today as well. Um, I think I still sort of believe that these issues still have um, vintage Spidey going on. I think, I mean, I thought the characters themselves were written well, saying what I believe they probably would say in the in the circumstances, but it seems slower to me than the previous issue. Uh, I thought what was really clever is showing 
um, I guess, Reed talking to Spider-Man and just a few seconds going by and then all these other events that are actually going on in the, in the real world, um, what's going on. So, you know, Carly helping Harry, you know, yeah, the good, um, J. Jonah Jameson knocking on Marla's door and all this other stuff. I thought that was pretty clever. Um, <clears throat> the only, I guess the problem I have with the, um, they all of a sudden talk about this idea of a mind wipe. And first Reed says, Spider-Man doesn't have the, the powers to do this mind wipe. And then at the very end of the issue, they've already decided that all of a sudden he actually did do this mind wipe and he wants to know how that happened. So we go from he doesn't have that power to, yes, there must have been a mind wipe. And I didn't know where that weep came from. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're kind of starting to fill in the holes of how this works, you know, Everyone has these fragments of who Spider-Man was, but until you see his face, it's all connected to like some random connect the dots game. But yeah. um, I think I would give it a C plus. It wasn't as good as the last issue, but there were some positive points about it. One thing uh, neither one of us talked about is J. Jonah Jameson as the mayor. What do you guys think of that? I, I was going to wait till uh, we talked about 592. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. Since that was yeah, since that the story starts dealing with it in that issue, right. so um, I'll, I'll give it a B minus. Um, I really don't give a damn about the Dregans. I don't yeah. even who the hell are the Dregans? <laughs> Sounds like a spinoff of Three's Company with the Ropers. Uh, another another uh, quote from the book: The people of course have always feared the most powerful Dregan, but here, where it's just family, I may finally show my true face. And Spider Man goes. Oh come on now! What the heck is this? An after-school special? Anyway, it was like a, it was like an uh, just barely above-average after-school special for me. Um, you know, I, I did something that I hardly ever do because I really at 5:90 I wanted to know what was behind the mask when he was revealing to Johnny Storm. So I pulled a JR and I burn-steeled it at oh, the gosh. store, <laughs> and I just opened up to the second page. And I saw that Spider-Man didn't have a face. And I didn't read any of the captions. I'm like, oh, that's really lame. Every time he takes his mask off to somebody that hasn't revealed, he's not going to be able to – no one can see his face. So I thought that was dumb until I read the book when I got (laughs) in the middle. And I was like, oh, oh, Sue Storm made his face invisible. Okay. Good call. (laughs) sort of reminds me of in Austin Powers. Like he's always naked through like a very exaggerated scene, and there's always something like a pen or a plant like covering up a particular – that's kind of what it reminded me of. Well, if you look at the panel, he's kind of like got like a a, a planet right where his head should be. uh, (laughs) True, yeah. (laughs) But uh, again, it it was a straight-up, barely average Marvel team-up issue set in 2009. Would you agree, J.R.? Oh yeah, yeah. That's for sure. I, I had very much flashbacks of Marvel team up. Uh, I I agree with Jr. that uh, the human the uh, Human Torch and the Fantastic Four should know his identity, mainly based on the story that Slot wrote. I mean, he kind of connected it like these guys are family, and he should have revealed it years ago, and he didn't do it until that miniseries. But um, I thought the art was inconsistent. There's multiple art teams on it, and. Um, was this the issue? Oh, no, it was next issue about Mary Jane. Okay, B minus out of me. <laughs> no, it was this issue where she called on the answering machine and said, what? hey, Tiger, it's me. I just wanted to let you know. Oh. And then it it was cuts off. One? Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Because there's like a few panels where all these messages oh, are going off. Yeah. Hey, Tiger, I thought you should know I'm beep. Message full. <laughs> Message erased. Beep. Yep. Yeah. That was pretty good. 
So it will tease there, yeah. Yeah, I, I like I, – one thing I did like about it is how so much happened in this issue. You saw several months pass in this issue as opposed to what we've had 36 issues in the last year or two, and not as much stuff has happened. You see Aunt May going on dates. You see the May, Jonah becomes mayor, Betty Brandt. Dealing with Flash Thompson. Anyway, a lot, a lot happened. It progressed it a lot, which I think is what I appreciated more than him stuck in the negative zone. So, all right, Stella, you start first. Five ninety two. What'd you think of that one? <clears throat> Five ninety two to me was just an entire twenty two pages of exposition, yeah. setting up multiple storylines. Yeah. Um, of course, we have the big storyline, which is JJJ becoming mayor and then Spider-Man deciding that he's going to um, taunt him for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when the whole 24-7 storyline was coming out, I thought it was an awesome idea, but now that it's connected to JJJ, I, I don't know, it kind of lost some of its limelight for me. Um you know, we randomly see a character that kind of looks like Morbius, and to me, it kind of came out of nowhere. So I don't know how that's going to work. Which and then one the are you shadowy. Um, am I wrong? Was it not Morbius? Let's see here. Oh, there's that kid at the dock, and he said, "Oh no, it's just an urban legend." And then, do you? Yeah. So it kind of looks like Morbius. Maybe it's not, but keep and talking. Then, I'm trying to go to the page. Oh, okay. Yeah, too bad there aren't any page numbers anymore. Yeah. Oh, the old. Um, and then, of course, that random woman that's in his apartment cleaning up. And yeah, what's that about? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So it just seems like they're just really putting as much as they could in this issue so that they can have multiple other storylines sort of branch off and fractalize off from this book. So, you know, I guess two months from now we might start to learn about the shadowy figure that attacked the boy on the dock and maybe the cat will get his own mini series that <laughs> Spider Man rescued and gave to JJ. I, I don't know. Charge four I bucks think... for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Um well hopefully it'll be better than that secret invasion crap oh, we got. Uh I think I would give it uh C minus. Yeah. Okay. JR what, what are we going up or are we going down with the grade? Well, we're only going up slightly because okay. it was pointless and boring as the prior issue, but really it didn't it didn't offer much. You know, it's like uh, like Spider Girl said, it's just set up for a bunch of other stories. Um, I'm I'm interested. You know, the the whole thing about Jonah being mayor, I think, is interesting. I think Jonah is another one of those characters like. Like I always said that Norman Osborn was, that Norman was such a good character that he needed to do other things and just menace Spider-Man and, mm-hmm. and lose his memory and, you know, do other things like that. And he needed to branch out. And I think Jonas is such a character as well. He's been so locked into, you know, just being the publisher of the Daily Bugle and ranting and raving and Spider-Man, you know, ad infinitum. And uh, I think actually this is a rather genius idea, you know, to kind of get the character out, to have him do something else. Uh, and to see what he does with real power, you know, I mean, he's such a an egomaniac, uh, and he and he's always had ideas probably of what of what he would do if he were in charge, uh-huh. and you know, it'll be interesting to see Jonah actually have to put his money where his mouth is, yeah. and um, you know, and succeed uh, where he can succeed, and probably have numerous failures, uh, and uh, so that's interesting. But the rest of the issue was. You know, again, it was it was utterly forgettable. Oh, I did like the Oscorn though. That uh, I, I see that one one thing Norman is branching out is into his own buttered popcorn. <laughs> uh, 
was, uh, if you uh, if you watch if you saw the scene between uh, J. Jonah Jameson Senior and Junior, mm-hmm. and uh, they're arguing, and Spidey drops in, and he's munching on popcorn, and it's Ozcorn. So, yeah. you know, I'm glad to see that Norman has diversified. Uh, you know, if making if making super villains falls through, you know that that you know that movie Popcorn, mm. if that's where Spidey went, that movie Popcorn's going for seven bucks a pop now. You know, I yeah. mean, Norman Autumn, you know. It's Norman on makes good money there, but uh, Nor- Norman is the uh, Orville Redenbacher of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> the issue is forgettable, and frankly, the last page mm-hmm. grossed me out. Really, I don't. Uh, know, I don't yeah. know why. I, I, you know, it's like I shouldn't be, but it did. It grossed me out. I, I'm thinking, God, I'm middle aged, and here I am grossed out about the whole idea. Um, we, we, I, you know, yeah. and I'm not even remotely interested in that subplot not even remotely interested no. so uh c minus on this one well wow D- didn't you give the other one a c or a d i gave it a d D. okay we went up um yeah we got to talk right. about that last page guys i mean <laughs> come on because that's yeah subject for debate on the boards so. oh i know i mean first of all aunt may has banged jarvis oh gosh nathan uh willie lumpkin Oh. Um, Doc Ock. Yeah. And Doc Ock's tentacles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this gal gets around for having such a bad heart, doesn't she? <laughs> Maybe she's trying to go out in style. I guess. What is she? Uh, I mean, is it? I I don't appreciate the de aging of Aunt May. When we first met her, she had to have been about eighty five, maybe ninety. And could kick the bucket at any time. Right, JR? Is that when we oh, first met? Oh, absolutely. And, right. you know, and, and through, through the years, Trzinski, I think, is the biggest proponent, which I, I, I dug what he did with her because he gave her something to do. But putting her this young, it just is, is a totally different character, I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, and, you know, someone on the board said, you know, there's nothing wrong with old people having sex. And it's not that I'm against geriatric sex, you know. you got to <laughs> do what you got to do. It's the fact that it's Aunt May, and I can't see her having, like, I, I just can't see this, like, scenario. It's like this complete disconnect in my mind of who Aunt May is and what she's doing. And I just think it's something that I just don't know if the writers are writing her correctly, and I'm I just I'm against it. So. And Jr. isn't a part of Aunt May's character to mourn Uncle Ben. Isn't she supposed to be in mourning, and that keeps the guilt around for Peter? Well, you know that gets old after a time. Yeah, uh, I mean Uncle Ben's been dead for you know when you think about it, Spider-Man's probably aged at least. Well, uh, according to my calculations, he's aged about sixteen or seventeen years. But yeah, Marvel's de-aged him. Uh, he's probably only aged about 10 years, but, you know, after a while, there's only so much mourning you can do in that. And also, it would wear, it would wear out as a subplot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't think, you know, I think she's, uh, you know, she's entitled to uh, have other relationships. Um, Relations. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it's the whole, I, I, see, I never really thought Aunt May was doing anybody except, no. well, Jarvis, you know. I didn't, really didn't think she was doing anybody else, but uh, well, she doesn't, she doesn't, Nate. Oh. I, do you, are you sure that Nathan really works <laughs> with that part down? Well, <laughs> I guess. I mean, there's to please the whole the lot of boys. You got to have a guy that's paralyzed too. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just don't see Aunt May uh, uh, draw, diving into a sexual relationship as quickly, even though like about two months have passed. 
I, I just see Aunt May as moving very, very slowly. I mean, even even though she's old and could die any time, I just don't see her moving too quickly to get into the sack with anybody. And this seems awfully quick. I mean, yeah. so uh, that that's that's one reason it just seems unsatisfying. Um, and um, well, the, the speculation is that there's a wedding in 600. What would you guys think if that's the wedding? Or will yeah. that make Aunt May too old? <laughs> Like, like Marvel says Peter will be. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. But, you, you know, in my opinion, I feel like the main point in in uh, J. Jonah Sr. coming back was to reconnect with his son. And I think he kind of went off the beaten track in, in going down his own life um, and dating Aunt May, whereas I thought the focus should really be him trying to reconnect with his son. So now it seems like you're you're making that character too thin as well putting him in two different directions but if it if they get married i don't know i think i would care less about that than uh if peter parker got married to some random girl i'll i'll give it a b i i dug the artwork i love the cover by Kusada. that's a great looking cover uh, he's he's got a few i think 593 or something where he's at the coffee bean cover looks great coming up too uh, let's see. I, I agree with JR in the fact that I love that they're giving Norman something. I, I mean, not Norman. I'm glad they gave Norman something to do too, but <laughs> Jameson, I love that they're giving him something to do. The only problem I, I kind of have is how long has he been on the job? Jameson. Has he been on the job a month? Is that how long he's been? Or two? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, how can he start up a task force that quick? <laughs> And can you imagine, well, we're talking about a guy that crawls walls, and I'm worried about how long it takes to form a task force to get the government. <laughs> but anyway, that's probably the main reason that they're making him mayor, so he can put all that war on Spider-Man, kind of like he did with the Scorpion years ago, uh, etc. But uh, I hope this eventually leads to him becoming part of the Bugle again, but that'll just put him at the status quo and no progression. But, you know, I'm bitching just a bitch. <laughs> but uh, again, Jr. Nicely pointed out the Ozcorn. I enjoyed that. I don't know what to think of the last page because that's not a character that I recognize with uh, Aunt May. I, I mean, and and I say that because years ago when they tried to do this with uh, Doc Ock, um, it just, just doesn't it just doesn't feel right. Maybe it's me, Jr. Does it feel right? <laughs> Obviously not. If you're you're close to vomiting. Yeah, no, but, I, uh, I, no, it 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 felt right with Jarvis actually. I hate to yeah. say this, because Jarvis and Aunt May uh, are both people who take care of who live to take care of other people, mm-hmm. and uh, so I felt that uh, I felt that that was I hated to see that relationship go because I really thought that was a natural relationship. Uh, that he was you know, a scroll, so that what really yeah Jarvis. well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that, that's even worse. Oh, now I'm yeah. really grossed out. Now I'm really. <laughs> uh, you, I, I don't think I, I I I read it in back issues, but I wasn't around when Aunt May married or tried to marry Doc Ock. What What was your opinion at the time on that one? Oh, I thought that was utterly ridiculous. But yeah, uh, but uh, but then again, I was only about eleven when it happened, so you know it. Uh, I wasn't too offended. I mean, it was when you, when you look back, though, it's typical comic book stuff. I mean, it was the early seventies, uh, and that kind of absurdity uh, was pretty par for the course back then. Right. So uh, it it wasn't offensive or anything. It was just dumb. So. It was just a shocking move. Oh yeah. And there wasn't any sexual overtones to it. I think, <laughs> like we are right now with that last page. Uh, let's see. Moving right along, we only have two issues to review, so we got through that pretty quick. 
Digital Spider Girl. Uh, you can buy is our next topic. We're talking about how ama- uh, Amazing Spider Girl canceled with 30, and you can find essentially issue 31 online, or you can pay five bucks and get it in the Spider-Man family. So, Jr., what do you think is uh, digital comics the future? If you want to, how, how much are you having to pay for it to get it online? I think it's five bucks a month. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Just to just to get what? Uh, but but you get access to the whole library of digital comics that they have online. I see. So maybe several thousand, possibly. I tell you, I you know I've, I I I don't know exactly where this is going to go because I know that um, you know for decades people have always preached the end of something or another by root of technology. You know, the uh, I, working in the financial services industry, I mean, I've heard for the last 20 years about how banking is, you know, the bank branches are going the way of the dinosaur and everybody will be banking online. And, and yet, you know, I drive around the neighborhood and I see two new bank branches, <laughs> brick-and-mortar branches going up. Yeah. You know, the, uh, and plus people have been talking about the death of magazines and newspapers for generations, and uh, it hadn't happened yet, although newspapers are limping pretty badly right now. Right. Um, whether it's the future, uh, I don't know because I don't think I don't know if they've uh, I don't know if there's really a, a pricing system that'll work for them uh, because I sure as hell I'm not going to pay you know I, I don't know how they're going to make any money I mean if they're going to give you access to the whole library um, you know I don't know how they're going to make uh, enough money uh, I mean if they're charging four bucks a comic book now I mean I sure no, as no, hell it, don't want yeah, it's four bucks for a month subscription to the whole library. For, to the library. To the library, what you, yeah. What, what do you get in the library? Do you just get... Uh, I think you get the first hundred issues of Spider-Man. Amazing. Yeah. First hundred issues of X-Men. Just whatever they've put online, which is several thousand comics. Yeah, why would I pay for that? I've got about three different versions <laughs> of the hundred issues of Spider-Man anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know that it's the future yet. Um, you know, paper hasn't died. Um, yeah. I... I I, I don't see myself paying to read comic books online, though, because I can't take my computer into the John. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I suppose that's where iPods and stuff come in. Uh, that yeah. you know, you could buy them on your iPod, but uh, I don't think this is the future yet. Um, you know, and even then, I don't think I don't think the comic pamphlet will die. Uh, at least not any time in my lifetime. I just, um, I just went to the Marvel.com/slash/digitalcomics. Looks like uh, one year is fifty nine dollars and eighty eight cents, or you can do it monthly. Well, monthly that breaks down to five bucks a month. If you just do it month by month basis, it'll be nine ninety nine, so ten bucks a month. You have instant access over the web, highest quality images available, uh, all digital, all new exclusives, and uh, over five thousand comics online, including the first hundred issues of Amazing, a full run of X Men. Hot recent series and so much more is what it says. So there's the pricing information for you guys. That's sixty bucks a year, Jr. Not that's only if you buy five dollars a month. Only if you buy it for a year. <laughs> so you're not parting with your sixty bucks, huh? No, not parting with my sixty bucks. <laughs> me, me neither. J- Stella, what do you what do you think? Is is this the future? Or are people going to do this? I think they're sure trying to push it for the future. Marvel probably more than. Any other ones? I think the only uh, example from DC probably would be um, uh, the Watchmen that came out, the motion comic. But Marvel has, for some time now, been putting on exclusive 
online-only issues that either they were free or you had to pay for them, things that tied into Secret Invasion that might be actually pertinent. So they're trying to get you to actually buy into all that so that you can really get into this digital comic stuff. And then, of course, um, the real reason why Spider-Woman is delayed is because they're pushing for this motion comic, and because the motion comic isn't ready, they're not putting out the paper comic. So I think... It seems like it is the future. Too bad we can't say it's because they're going green and they want to um, <laughs> prevent waste of paper, but it's just kind of sad. You know, it's sort of like it's a very sensual, using like as senses, feeling like reading oh. a comic book. So it's, <laughs> I took it's it somewhere of, else, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. I said as senses. So <laughs> it'll be sad when that goes away, but I feel like that's really where they're pushing for it to go. Uh, I I, I uh, give Marvel a thumbs up for doing this. It's another a- avenue stream. I mean, they can make. Hopefully, they make money off this thing. They've got to they've got to cr- pay a guy to sit at his computer for eight hours a day and scan maybe dozens of issues a day. Man, would that job suck or what? Yeah. I, I can think of worse jobs, but uh, that one would be up there. Uh, but you know what? I think Jr. I'm an old fart. Jr. and I are both old farts. Stella's reaching old fartdom. <laughs> I think this is for a generation after us. I really, I, I mean, we all love the paper in our hands and turning of the pages. We don't like, that's why I don't think the Amazon Kindle, which is where you can read books on like a little uh, PDA like Star Trek, uh, is going to go, I think it's going to slowly take time for that one to integrate in our culture like books have. Because books have been in our culture since... JR, you were around. When did they start? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, uh, I you know, I, uh, I, you know, first read the Gutenberg Bible, so uh, you know, uh, I've been it's, for, I've it's, been reading for some time. So it's going to uh, take a long time for the society to get away from the book, and I, I guess this is the beginnings of the uh, the breakup between humans and, and a, a book, but I don't know. It's, it's like trying to get away from something essential like, um, I don't know, toilet paper. <laughs> it's going to take uh, – okay, I guess that analogy didn't work. It was paper. Fine. All right. I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit movie news that came out this uh, month. Uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, a few months ago was interviewed on the red carpet and said, would you like to be part of Spider-Man 4? And she says, yeah, I'm part of it. And then when Sam – Ramey and Tobey Maguire signed up, and someone asked her again. She was like, hmm, pay me. (laughs) So it seems like uh, her agent and people are putting out notes that uh, Kirsten isn't so anxious to sign up for Spider-Man 4. So should we replace her? Should we pay her? Stella, what do you think? Well, as one of the uh, people who actually liked her in Spider-Man, you know, I know I'm one of the only ones. Um, I, I would prefer her not to be replaced. Yeah. But I do hate this, what I would like to call the Halle Berry syndrome. Because Halle Berry really, I don't know, she didn't want to be an X-Men unless she had a bigger part. Yeah. But, of course, and it's always related to money somehow, and so that's where this is coming um, I do really like Bryce Dallas Howard at Howard, sorry, and I feel like she would make a good Mary Jane, but I'd think it'd be too confusing to have her once as Gwen Stacy and then move her. So my thinking would be either cast a, well, I think they should just cast a relative nobody. I was actually looking at like 
Who's an attractive redhead actress? And I came up with one. So Alicia Witt, you should look her up. No. She's actually she's no, pretty attractive. Oh, so yeah. And I mean, just cast a relative nobody. I don't think. Sometimes I think names get in the way. You know, you go for the name, and then you're kind of lost in that. And if you get someone who you don't really know and she can really pull it off, then I think that's best. So that's my thinking. Strangely enough, when I was covering the news for um, 2002, when the first movie was coming out, her name was bounced around as a potential Mary Jane. So you aren't the first to think of that one. So she she, uh, is thought of many times. So, Jr., should we recast her or should we pay her some money? <laughs> I wouldn't pay her a dime because I I never I never liked her. Uh, you never I liked her. her wow. I gave her the benefit of the doubt in the first movie because I didn't think her character was written all that well. But uh, I just I just you know three movies into it, I don't think she was the right choice for Mary Jane. Um, I don't. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, I don't want to go into a big, whole long thing, but uh, I just don't think she's right for the role. And frankly, I would just see them as soon see them write the character out and let uh, Peter have a relation with relationship with Gwen Stacy or, or even the Black Cat. Mm. Uh, I don't like it really when they recast and uh, when everybody else stays the same. That's, I mean, if you recast the entire show, that's one thing. But if you just recast a part here and there, it looks pretty mm-hmm. awkward. And uh, so I just assume they uh, they write the character out and have Peter start to screwing around like his comic book companion, or like his comic book counterpart, <laughs> so. or like his aunt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, no, I don't want any images of Rosemary Harris. Oh, do it. Oh my God. How about oh, her, God. her messing around with Captain Stacy? You know, the guy from Babe uh, and Star Trek: First Contact. <laughs> James Cromwell. Yeah, that's right. Um, I I, I would pay her. Uh, because I think she's uh, helped bring so much money into the franchise. I mean, this mo- those movies bring in a lot of money, so she's worth her talent for bringing in people and making a successful movie. Did you, uh, put I, marks? you won. Did you put talent in quotation marks? Because <laughs> I, think- I did it in the air. I did it in the air. You can't see it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I hate also what you guys said. I hate when they recast characters in a, an ongoing series with the regular group. And I also hate when they ch- ch- a person just pops up real quick, circa Superman 3, where Margot Kenner didn't want to be in the movie, so she telephones, or she's in the first five minutes, and then you never see her again. So I, I hope if they have to recast, they write the character out. Um, but I would pay her. I think she wants to do it. I think she said when Spider-Man 3 was around that she is willing to do it if Toby and Sam Raimi are up. So I think it's boiling down to money, and her agent is putting out news reports that uh, she won't do it unless she's paid or she's considering getting out. So, all right. Uh, next topic we're going to hit is uh, Free Comic Book Day. On May 2nd was the Free Comic Book Day across the country to honor uh, comic books. And hypothetically get them in the hands of little kids and expand our love of the industry. So, Jr., did you go out on free comic book day? Did you pick up some books? No, I didn't. No? I should have. Should have. Should have taken my son out, but I was preoccupied doing some other things on a Saturday, so getting some work done. So, no, I missed it completely. Have you taken uh, Have you taken your son out on uh, other free comic book days and gotten some books? 
I never remember when Free Comic Book Day is. <laughs> I wish you remember it's on the fir- first Saturday in May, but right. I never remember what it is, so I never put it in my calendar to do. So, uh, I mean, I did take him to the comic book store a couple of days ago, and that's when I picked up actually issues number 591 and 92, and uh, he actually got a couple of free comics uh, because well, they still had them. They still had them sitting out on the uh, on the counter. So, yeah. um, but uh, but actually, his pride and joy. He, he uh, it wasn't the Spider-Man he wanted so bad, or the well, actually, the free comic book was the Avengers. But uh, it was uh, he wanted me, me to get him a Sonic book, so I got him a Sonic comic book. So that's what he's devouring right now. Oh, the video, the video game, yeah, Sonic, yeah. Sonic oh, the Hedgehog. Yeah. Okay, see, I envision. I envision the uh, the fast food establishment. I'm like Sonic <laughs> store. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, it's neat that you're bringing kids into the comic book store because they seem to be rare. Well, it's j- you know, just and, our age. <laughs> but, th- but the sad thing is, I had to dry. I had to surpass one comic book store to get to this one. Why is that? Uh, because, uh, because the one comic book store that's actually closest to us is some one that I consider unacceptable for kids. I mean, it's. The, the, it's one where there's, you know, everybody sits in there and smokes. The propri- proprietor has his cronies around. They're oh. sitting there. They're drunk. And, they're uh, drunk. You, wow. And they're using foul language. And it's like, oh. I ain't taking my kid into that. You know, and and uh, so that's kind of sad, really. I mean, that's, okay. a, that's a completely, I mean, if you're the owner, I guess you can, you know, you can have your cronies around and do what you want. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of now see, you know, what women in other places, you know, others have been talking about. You know when they talk about feeling that comics are in stores are inhospitable to them. Fortunately, fortunately the one I went to though does have some female clientele because every time I've been in there I've noticed women and it is a very nice nice place. Um, I just wish it wasn't you know twenty five thirty miles away from where I live. It's worth driving that to to avoid the uh, the shenanigans if you will (laughs) of the other other store. That's just sad because if they want the industry to grow, they want people to come in the store. They should make it hospitable for everybody. Don't. I, they have drunk workers there. I, I can't get over that. Well, they're not workers. They're just his cronies that hang around. Yeah. He's not. He's not drunk. I mean, the proprietor's not drunk. I yeah. Mean, the proprietor. The proprietor's nice and friendly and everything. Yeah. But his store is kind of his store Crazy. is dirty, and uh, like I said, and his cronies are there. Yeah. So you know, and uh, I don't really want you know. And one one time, I mean, literally, this is what happened. I did take my son in there once about four years ago, mm-hmm. and one of the cronies scared him to death because he started talking to him. Oh, and he was drunk. He was drunk. Oh. He wasn't. He wasn't mean. He wasn't. You know, he was not confrontational. I mean, none of these. None of these people have done anything to me or anybody else. They're not. You know, I, I don't want to, to give that impression. They're a mm-hmm. bunch of thugs. But he was obviously drunk, and he started saying hi to my son. And of course, <laughs> you know, you know when you're drunk. You know when you're drunk. You don't realize how loud you're talking. <laughs> Hi to my son, and, <laughs> and you came running from the other side of the room. What the hell are you doing to my kid? <laughs> uh, anyway, but 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 I kind of got off the. But basically, no, I didn't go to comic book day. Okay, Stella, <laughs> did you make it into your local store? I was sort of depressed. I've been going for the past few years, but I had a final exam on Saturday, so I was unable to do that. Well, have you got any drunk experiences? It's like JR. How's your local comic shop? Have you been in years past? Tell me about some uh, well, I kind of have two, I guess. The College Town one is interesting. Obviously, I make a big, I don't know, splash because I'm like the only girl I think that comes there. Um, there is some smoking, but they do it outside, so that's not too bad. And the guy is kind of like, he's like that guy. He actually looks exactly like the guy on Simpsons that runs the. Uh, 
comic book guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's nice to me, but, you know, there's occasional foul language, but it's not like, not really many kids go in there. The one where I live is really nice. It's pristine store. The A lady is actually the owner of it, Um, so she's always nice. But, yeah, generally I have good experiences. No one's been... Um, yeah. <laughs> mean to me or anything. You ever anything. get hit on by all the men in the store? <laughs> um, no, I mean, the last time I went there, I kept getting stared at by one guy at the counter. I was <laughs> creeped out, but um, I just paid for my comics and left. So it's the same guy that greeted uh, Jr.'s son. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> he talks to everybody. Um, I I did go this year, and as the year previous, I was disappointed. Because I mainly go for the Marvel comic that gets released. And last year it was um, that Spidey Swing Shift. Yeah. And I missed that one. And um, I had to pony up and buy the edition that Marvel made me pay for on Free Comic Book Day. So this year I went hoping to get the new Avengers book. And again, disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) The store opens at 9. I showed up around 11-ish. Uh, with my wife and uh, nothing, no no, wow. no Avengers comics at all, um, and I I said, do you have any in the back? No, we only got like a couple issues. Ah, oh, great, thank you very much. This is why I don't wow. shop here. Articulate, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I just greeted every seven year old to walk through the store because I'm drunk. <laughs> It's the same guy at all three stores. Anyway, uh, all they had on the counter was uh, Archie Comics, and they had um, they had that Wolverine comic that looks like Marvel Adventures. I didn't even pick that up, but my wife picked up Arch the Archie free Archie comics. So uh, that day uh, when I went to bed, she was reading a comic book in bed, Whoa. and I I said, "Wow, that's that's really hot." And she goes, what? and she says, well, what if I do this? And she just crumpled it up right in front of me. And she goes, I, she goes I've been wanting to do this for years. <laughs> and I said, I don't care. It's an Archie comic. <laughs> so that was that was my free comic book day experience. My wife read an Archie comic and tore it up in front of me. So. Wow. Well, good thing it was an Aspire Man. I feel like oh, God. That, that, that would be just horrible. I would have just freaked. Actually, yeah, grounds for divorce, oh exactly. Gosh. I have to tell you, speaking of that, this made me remind me of something. When I was like seven or six or seven, I don't know what I did, but I got in trouble. And to this day, I remember my grandpa ripping up Marvel Team Up number 89, Spider-Man and Nightcrawler, <laughs> in front of me because I I had been such a bad little kid. Oh, and dear. and I will never forget that. I was like I was good for the rest of my life because I didn't want any comic books ripped. <laughs> Jr., you ever had any comics ripped in front of you? That's just traumatizing. No, surprisingly not. Um, no. I was fortunate. Uh, I always had a very supportive parent. Uh, my mother's weird like me, and uh, <laughs> she always interceded uh, between my father and who didn't understand. You know, us or any anything we liked. <laughs> um, and uh, so I always had a supportive parent. Uh, so, no, I never had that problem. All right. I guess I, I guess it was me. <laughs> All right. We're wrapping that one up. We're going to go to this month in Spider History. We're going back to May of 1993, which is the year I graduated high school. And, Jr., what were you doing in 93? What was I doing in 93? God, I was, I was <laughs> celebrating. 
30th birthday. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I remember I, I'd been married and I think my, I think I was waiting the birth of my first child. So, really? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. She was, she was born just before I turned 31. So, yeah. I think I was, Stella, 1993 in May, what were you doing? I was seven years old. There you go. <laughs> um, I'm not really sure what, I'd have to calculate what grade I was in. Were you reading Spider-Man at the time? Or is this pre-Spidey? Um, this is probably pre-Spidey. I think there were some, I had some X-Men, um, cards and stuff that I used to read. They had like stats and stuff. I'm sure I was doing I that. Remember at the those. Time. I remember those. Uh, let's see. On, uh, May 1993, Amazing Spider-Man number 377 came out. Uh, the cover has cardiac, uh, has Spider-Man in like a, a hold like around his neck. Looks like the writer was David Michelini and the plotter. And then we had a writer, Stephen Grant, and artist Jeff Johnson. So Bagley didn't do this issue for some reason. Also this month we had Spectacular Spider-Man number 200. We had Web of Spider-Man number 100, Spider-Man 34, Spider-Man Unlimited number 1. He also appeared in Fantastic Four 376. And Ren and Stimpy, number yeah. six, <laughs> written by Dan Slott. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. He did a bunch of kitty books back in the day. Wow. So, Jr., do you remember 377? I sure don't. Well, I didn't remember it. I went back and looked through it, and uh, you didn't miss anything. Uh, okay. Cardiac. You know, the, the, Cardiac was symptomatic of, you know, part of the problem of what was wrong with the 90s. He was another one of these violent vigilante types. You know, we already had the Punisher. This guy was no different from the Punisher, except he was, uh, you know, he, he was uh, African-American and he hated HMOs, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, because he was a doctor, you know. So he was, yeah. uh, you know, he was... Uh, you know, somebody was killed by uh, an evil HMO or whatever, so he turned into cardiac. Uh, he was a boring, you know, boor- boring character because he's another one Spider-Man had to argue morality with. Oh, you shouldn't kill him, you know, because you know they're human and they deserve another chance. And and I'm a bleeding heart liberal, you know, limp-wristed bleeding heart liberal these days. So uh, that's a great you know. Spider-Man impression, by the way. <laughs> boring. Uh, no, boring book, boring book, yeah. uh, 377. Can you, you imagine this? Uh, this is more, is this comparable or is this more issues that came out in 93 than it did today? I think Spider-Man's in more issues, actually. Uh, you up New Avengers and all that stuff. I, don't know. I know, but they were really cranking up the print and press in the in the 90s, though, yeah. so this still seems like a, you know, still now, seems like a Stella, did you read that one? Have you read any of these this month, by the way? Um, I think the only one I vaguely remember is the web, web of Spider-Man. Okay. Well, uh, also spect- spider- Spectacular Spider-Man number 200, uh, which was the death of Harry Osborn. Or, yeah, Harry Osborn. J.M. DeMatteis and Sal Buscema on art on this one. And this is, I read this one recently because it was reprinted in, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Family and it still holds up. Just a great book. J.R., you agree? Yeah, um, I've always had mixed feelings about the uh, about the issue uh, because it just it almost seemed like a bad fanfic. And, and when Spider-Man and uh, Harry were beating up on each other, you know, I, it seemed like it was uh, it was uh, veering dangerously close to Slash. You know, where the the the, the male parties are are hurting each other and then yet being drawn together by this bond or whatever. So, um, and Harry got better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, it was it was an okay story, uh, but uh, I've never really been particularly touched or moved by it. Yeah. Uh, so. Just beautiful artwork, too, by Sal Buscema, I thought, in this book. 
And I miss the the stuff on the covers, the uh, the holographic webs. I wish they still did that. I, I was a fan of it. Did you guys like the stuff on the covers? No, because I had to pay more for it. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, we have we have to pay more for the instead of doing holographic covers, they do, they add more crap in it these days, like reprints. What? I don't know. <laughs> Stella, did you like the holographic covers and stuff of the? I 90s? think so. I mean, no. and you know, I guess now it's just like a cliche, but back then I think it was just like really cool, you know, in the nineties and stuff. Yeah. And have you read you, – oh, you said you only read 100. So let's go to Web 100. I'm pretty sure that's the only one I vaguely <laughs> Written by Terry Cavanaugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, Alex Savick, who I like a lot. And uh, this is the first appearance of the Spider Armor. He's only made one appearance, I think. But they've sure. already made action figures and uh, superhero squad guys, and etc. And this one was called Total War. Do you remember this one, Stella? What do you What do you remember from it? Um. Well, I think even though Web of Spider Man is like a third tier book, um, for a 100 issue, I think this should have been much better than it was. And how you just bring out a costume for one time use, and you probably question the use of why, if he's a superhero and has these reflexes and strength, why he needs armor in the first place. Um, but, I mean, I always thought the armor was a cool design, but I think deciding why it's useful probably would be a good idea. Um, I do remember there's uh, Blood Rose, who we don't know at the time is um, Richard Fisk, uh, and he's like, I don't know, a semi or quasi-punisher kind of guy. And I think his, um, I don't know, I think the writing surrounding him was pretty bad. Um, yeah, not a Kavanaugh <laughs> fan on this end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the new forcers, I think we see they're trying to uh, divide up the empire that uh, the kingpin had left behind after he left. So I think overall it was just like a bad issue, especially when you think that a landmark issue like number 100 should be really good, and it just didn't yeah. do well. Jer, refresh my spider villain history. When did the Rose... Become the Blood Rose. Is it the same person? No, the the Rose was. Um, oh God, I forgot who the. the <laughs> it was the same person. I'm sorry. It was, okay. They were both Richard Fisk. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking. I kept thinking the Rose was Jacob Conover, but no, that was the. That was about the third Rose. <laughs> uh, oh my God! Because there was a detective who was actually the second Rose. Uh, and uh, if they ever make it into a movie, they have to have Bette Midler sing his his oh opening God. intro, you know. <laughs> and then, well, that doesn't you know count the fact that Tom DeFalco wanted Roderick Kingsley to be the Rose. Uh, but uh, yeah, they were the same character, Richard Fisk. But I don't remember when why, one became. The why other. did he? Yeah, why did he become the Blood Rose? If you know the answer, write it on the thread. On, I on think he, became, he became Blood Rose because the detective assumed the identity of the Rose. So oh, man, I can't keep up. <laughs> what do you remember of 100? Web 100, JR. Do you remember I anything remember, I, just re- I just remember the trusty old Spidey armor. Yeah. I honestly <laughs> do not remember the issue at all. Me neither. Um, yeah, no, I don't remember it at all. I don't either. Uh, let's. let's this, uh, this issue also had sort of a tin foil cover on it, too, didn't it? Yeah, it was beautiful. Beautiful cover. <laughs> uh, we had Pe- uh, Peter Parker, uh, it was just called Adjectiveless Spider Man, where he teamed up with. The Punisher and against the Master of Vengeance. Writer was Stephen Grant, art by Bob McLeod and Lee Weeks. So those two are good together, I think. 
Um, I don't remember this one either, JR. I think this is a recurring theme. It must have not been good, like Spec 200. Well, I, you know, this is one that I went back into the back issue bin, and I don't know, I don't even remember if I've even read it yet. But uh, I'm, I'm here at Sam, looking at Sam, the cover on Sam Ruby, yeah. and uh, you know, here's another, you know, uh, you know, here's another costume character that they're they're fighting, and uh, the Punisher looks like he's shooting at Spider-Man of all people, and uh, you know, I, I don't remember it. It doesn't look very memorable though. I, I like the buck seventy-five cover price though. <laughs> wish don't you wish it was that now? But an issue I do remember and Jr. hates is Spider-Man Unlimited number one, the first part of Maximum Carnage. How can you forget that one, Jr.? Oh. <laughs> oh my God! Let me tell you. What do you think? You know, if Max, Maximum Carnage had started with Unlimited Spider-Man number one and ended with Unlimited number two, and those were the only two issues, it probably would have been a nice slugfest. But uh, there was those twelve parts in between that uh, that really put it in the uh, that put it in the Hall of Fame for uh, of, of mediocrity and of uh, of selling out for a buck. So yeah. I haven't read it since '93, but I remember in '93 I thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread. I just thought it was awesome, and I really wanted the video game. But again, I was 18 years old, not 34, like I am oh. now. <laughs> but the cover price, 3.95. So we're we're uh, about the price we are now. And I, the next one that came out this month, Fantastic Four, 3.76. I read it. Don't remember it either. I, you know what, Jr. How many of these books do we buy that we don't remember? <laughs> you know. Well. This one, uh, I know that I didn't buy this one because um, this is the. Uh, it just says here on Sam Ruby, Peter Parker makes a cameo appearance. Yeah, probably uh, took a this, photo somewhere. Yeah, this must have been the. Uh, I think it was after the. Um, uh, wasn't in the prior issues the one where he, the it was the new Fantastic Four again and they were going yeah. after the Human Torch. Right. So, uh, but no, I don't. I I didn't buy this one. So. Uh, I have fond memories of the DeFalco Ryan run on Fantastic Four. I thought it was underrated. I I, I thought he did a good job. And I, at the time, I remember it took a lot of flack for not being very good. But uh, the last issue uh, we're talking about is Ren and Stimpy. Stella, you sound like you're a fan. Did you pick up the book uh, back in the day? No, I just find it very amusing, <laughs> Ren and Stimpy and Spider-Man, what's in there. <laughs> With uh, Powdered Toast Man, is that his name? Yeah, Powdered Toast Man. Uh, Dan Slot is the writer. Is this how they um, indoctrinate writers in the Marvel business? They put them on a... Uh... <laughs> they put them on the, uh, the, the yeah. licensed character in the Star comics, like Muppet Babies, yep. yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what they do. They, they put yeah. them on the licensed characters. And artist Mike uh, Cazalet, never heard of him. Editor Fabian Niciesa and Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. Uh, you know what? Sadly, I do have this issue. It was back in the era where I picked up everything with Spider-Man. Haven't wow. read the issue <laughs> but okay. in uh, all these years, but it's in the Spider Tomb. So. Do you allow your wife to crumple this one up? Uh, no, she can't crumple this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I'd have a heart attack. Uh, Jr., did you pick up this one, Mister? I collect everything, Spider. <laughs> no, no, I did not pick this one up. <laughs> that was pretty good. Was that Ren or was that Stimpy? No, that was Ren. <laughs> I did. I did not leave with that steepy. So, uh, no, I did not pick it up. <laughs> wow, I didn't expect that. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> recommendations. That's that's all the spider of this month of May 1993. So, recommendations. Stella, you ladies first. Go ahead. 
Yay! So of course the monthly installment of um, my Liter- literature. Literature, yeah, literature. There you yes. go. <laughs> uh, so this month I'm recommending The Glass Menagerie, which is a play by Tennessee Williams. Um, it's pretty much it's a small character list. Uh, just Amanda Wingfield, the mother; Laura, the daughter, who is sort of the main character. I would say she's sort of crippled and has um, <clears throat> a slight mental condition. Uh, the brother, Tom Wingfield, and Jim O'Connor, the gentleman Carla that the uh, mother always. Um, and it's just really about um, family dynamics, and uh, this glass menagerie that the daughter has is really symbolic of her condition and how um, fragile she is. So I do recommend that. And let's see, I'm trying to think of... Anything else? I guess uh, Jameson Sr. would be a gentleman caller, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah maybe I should just recommend geriatric sex to uh, stay in state. <laughs> there you know. go. There you go. Your recommendation, geriatric sex. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay, is that it? Is, I got a question. Do you read these books during the month and we talk about them, or are these books that you've read in the past? These are books that I've read in the past. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right, JR, geriatric sex, do you recommend it? <laughs> I can't even fathom it. I can't even imagine, can't even imagine it working. I mean, gee whiz. Oh, I mean, well, ask yeah, your I mean, doctor if you're I, healthy enough to have sex. There you go. Yeah, and call, and, you know, yeah, and call him if you've had an erection lasting four hours. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, if you've got yeah. one lasting four hours, you're calling every woman you know. You ain't calling. <laughs> oh. Wow. But as far, as far as recommendations, you know, and since I, I've decided that maybe I need to be a little highbrow like Stella. Oh, and God. Uh, I think that this month I will recommend uh, a, a story that uh, is a new take on a classic American mythology. A story in which uh, a story of good fighting evil and a two Two men, both outcasts, united in a common cause. One Vulcan, I think, I <laughs> one human. And I will recommend Star Trek. <laughs> oh, this is a... I, I, I have already seen it twice. Twice? Yes. Oh, my God. I have already seen it twice. I was there on Thursday night at the 11 o'clock show. Oh. And uh, fortunately, I had the Friday off because I slept in. And uh, and I saw it last night. Uh, my son got mad at me because he wanted me to take him to uh, Monsters vs. Aliens. And I said, no, I'm going to Star Trek. And, uh, and uh, But I did take him today. I did take him Good. today. God, that movie was boring. But anyway, no, this, I tell you, I really enjoyed this. Um, I'm a, I mean, as everybody knows... Uh, you know, who's listening to me, they know I'm a classic Star Trek fan. Yep. And I've been a fan since the early 70s. And I've always had reservations about replacing the main characters with different actors because, I, you know, I, I mean, God, they, the same actors did them for a quarter of a century. Mm-hmm. Um, and who could who could do Spock besides Nimoy and who could do Kirk besides Shatner? Um, but, and so I was, I was kind of surprised. Uh, but this movie is really good. It is really good. It is action-packed. It never lets up. Uh, there's there's really never a boring moment. Uh, however, you really have to suspend your disbelief on this one. Star Trek has always played a little fast and loose with science and a little fast and loose with reality. This one, you really have to accept a lot of coincidences. Yep. And you have to accept a lot of poor science. Um, and... Um, 
you know, so you just kind of have to sit back and say, okay, I'm having such a good time. I'm just going to be completely ignore that idiotic plot uh, device. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it is. It's really good. I mean, I was really surprised. I mean, J.J. Abrams and his screenwriters really delivered uh, an A, you know, brought their A game to this. Um, the And the actors are surprisingly good. I mean, none of them, none of them falls into impersonations. Um, although uh, Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy follows the closest, but, you know, there's only way, you know, I mean, Dr. McCoy's a grouchy old crank, you know, I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> you kind of got to play him that way. Um, Spock, Zachary Quinto is, is, is actually a pretty good Spock. Uh, the only thing he doesn't have is Leonard Nimoy's voice. And so he really doesn't, he really, he still doesn't have the gravitas, uh, that Leonard had. And, uh, but Robert, but Chris Pine, I keep calling him Robert Pine. Robert Pine is Chris's father, and he was an actor as well. Chris Pine is amazing as Kirk. I mean, you you kind of think nobody can. I mean, you always think of Kirk as Shatner, and you don't, and you can't imagine Kirk without doing these pauses. <laughs> but uh, but Pine does very well. Um, I mean, this is a great movie, and uh, I, I just you know for Star Trek fans, for non Star Trek fans. Um, it, uh, alike, and uh, I, I, uh, I definitely, I, I mean, I recommend it uh, wholeheartedly. Sweet. I will also. Anything else, Jerry? Want to recommend? No, that's it. Okay. I also recommend Star Trek. Saw it once. Saw it last night with the wife. Uh, loved it. Loved it. I think it's uh, the best Star Trek movie since. I like six Star Trek six a lot, but this one is probably tied to it. I don't think it surpasses Wrath of Khan, but um, I still think it's awesome. I think the casting is one of the best parts of this movie. I think they really uh, uh, what's the what's the word, Jerry? I'm looking for. They funneled it, not funneled it, but they uh, channeled. Yeah, they channeled the original actors. They, they channeled. I think the person that channeled it the best was the actor who played Bones. I mean, that he's just. A dead ringer for Dr. McCoy. I thought that was just awesome. And um, I, I missed Shatner in it. I wish they would have Shatner in it. I hope I hope the next one has a little bit of dealing with it. But then I also fear that uh, if you keep going back to the uh, the past, you can't really progress any forward. But they needed some ties to the past in this one. But uh, I wanted no, more Nimoy. Did you want more Nimoy, JR? I, I think that was about the right amount. Yeah. I mean, um, I... Uh, I mean that was the re- that was one of the reasons I was anxiously looking forward yeah, to this too. movie. Uh, I mean it was it, it when ne- when I heard that Nimoy was going to be in it, it went from a curiosity that I was going to see when I had time to something I absolutely had to see the day it came out. Yeah. Uh, and but uh, I I I think he was in it just enough because yeah. I really do think that it's I mean the, <laughs> I mean I you know the poor guy needs a little bit uh, he you know he can't hear and he's got no teeth you know I mean uh, <laughs> he he needed his uh, his he needed his uh, polygraph to be a little bit stronger there because his dentures were slipping I think but uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember I remember being at a Star Trek convention not long ago and. And the poor guy couldn't hear. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he's almost 80 years old. I, I, I hope this is the it. This is it for him. Um, but it was. It was. A, it was a good performance on his part. I, I agree. mean, it was. I mean, this is a Spock who. This is a Spock who ha- is it is at the near the end of his life, uh, and yet has has had to be put through this terrible tragedy, yeah. uh, and uh, which is partially of his own doing. Yeah. And uh, you know the 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 grief that weighs on him. You know, is is tremendous, and and you really feel that uh, with Leonard's portrayal. But you also, at the end, kind of get uh, as he has a new task in front of him. Mm-hmm. You kind of see the ears perk up a little bit. You know, he's he's got a new task, and uh, he's bestowed some wisdom to his young counterpart. So, yeah. 
it was just enough, and I really, I really hope they don't bring Shatner's bloated ass back into it. Really, uh, really, yeah, I don't want to. You know, the fact is, they reset the timeline. I mean, one of the, my biggest complaints that I wanted to see rectified was I thought that killing Kirk off in generations was incredibly lame and right. stupid. Yeah. But now that the timeline has been kicked around, I mean, basically they've rebooted the show. They call it an alternate universe, but basically the t- they went back and changed history. So now Kirk doesn't necessarily have to die in generations. So yeah. the whole, you know, the whole future is ahead of them. Uh, they can tell entirely different stories. And uh, I just, you know, and I don't, you know, and to be honest, I don't know. Maybe this is my swan song of Star Trek. I mean, really, because I was wedded to the old cast and. Since it's a new cast, you know, I, you know, I probably won't have the connection with them that I did with the old cast. But really, for the sake of the franchise, mm-hmm. it just needs to move forward. New stories, new cast, leave the past behind. Yeah, uh, a, I get an A. You give it an A also. Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay, uh, I also recommend uh, Wolverine. Have you guys seen Wolverine yet? No. Yes. What do you think, Stella? I, I thought it was awesome. <clears throat> I did too. I mean, there are some obvious problems, but I think overall they. I think they did a good job. Yeah. I give that one an A minus. I thought it was great. Uh, the minus is for Deadpool. I thought they screwed up <laughs> Deadpool, one of my all-time favorite characters, but hopefully they rec- rectify that in the uh, the spinoff of Deadpool. So Star Trek Wolverine out of me recommendations. Two other ones. One's a food product. One's an electronic device. <laughs> the food product. And I, I sadly have to admit I've become addicted to. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Fruit-Flavored Snacks. These are Spider-Man gummy bears. <laughs> if you like gummy bears and you like them in the shapes of Spider-Man heroes, for instance, a, ye- a white web, a red Spider-Man head, a green oh. goblin green gummy, feel free to pick up Spider-Man gummies at your local Walmart or your local grocery store. Now, and you know, you know what? I have been ordered not to pick those up. Why? Because, because they, I, I don't eat them, but I was told they tasted nasty. No, no, yeah. they're good, dude. I can attest to their good taste. Oh, you've I, had them? I've yes. been told Scooby-Doo ones. So. Oh. They taste just like the Scooby-Doo ones. I've had the Scooby-Doo ones, too. <laughs> <laughs> I am addicted to Spider-Man gummy bears, so I bought two boxes at the store the other day because they're so damn good, which is rare for a Spider-Man food product to taste good because the god-awful cereal from the 90s was horrible. It was like Chex meets Lucky Charms. It was horrible. Um, but Spider-Man Gummy Bears, my other recommendation is an iPhone. I got an iPhone. I upgraded my phone, and I dig it. So if you want to get an iPhone, have Spidey Dude sell you one. Because wow. they're really cool. Hey, uh, Wait, did you get it from Spidey Dude? No, I didn't get it from Spidey oh, Dude, but he okay. sells them, so. <laughs> does, he, wait a minute, does, he, does he sell them on the street corner with a, where inside a long jacket? or I mean, Yeah, he, he rolls up jacket. his sleeve and, and uh, you want to buy a watch or an iPhone. Oh, I bought it. And that wraps up our first hour. We have one more hour that I'll edit and release in a few days. But before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. They're still accepting orders for May. An example of their great prices is the Essential Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man Volume 4. The cover price is 20 bucks. Mail Order has it for $11.99. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Gang, I'm Brad Douglas, your host and webmaster for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. <laughs>